Hello and welcome to the Intentional Leaders Podcast. This is episode 92, Leadership Lessons, an interview with entrepreneur Amber Gray of Trusty Oak. Welcome to Intentional Leaders. This podcast is not just for leaders, rather for anyone who wants to make an impact on the world, professionally or personally. My passion and purpose is to provide tips, tools, and resources that I've learned throughout my career, working with large and small organizations, profit and non, and also as an entrepreneur. I've had the joy to teach thousands of individuals who, like you, are trying to navigate this crazy and complex world. So here's to doing that successfully and intentionally. Today, I want to welcome Amber Gray to our Intentional Leaders podcast. And Amber and I met through our connection about being entrepreneurs. And I got to know a little bit about Amber and her organization, Trusty Oak. Welcome, Amber, to the show today, to the episode. Thank you so much, Cindy. Good to be here. It's great to have you. And um, just for the studio audience, I want to share a little bit about Amber. You're going to learn a lot about her company and her values and how super awesome she is. But her mission is to enter energize and empower humans from diverse backgrounds, professional and personal, to grow in business, technology, and leadership. She founded and launched Trusty Oak to provide an opportunity for experienced administrative and marketing professionals to work independently as thriving freelancers, which I think is phenomenal. It's been a really fun uh, thing to build because it is so people-centric. I'm one of those people that love just connecting others and uh, relationships. I like intentionally building great relationships with people I interact with and meeting new people and all of that. So it sort of feeds just my personal, I guess, the things that bring me joy and make me happy. But it's also hopefully helping a lot more small businesses survive because we know the stats don't always look so good for us. And hopefully we can change that with the work we're doing. Yeah, 100%. I was so excited to hear about your organization and really how it aligns with all of your values, the things that you care about. And then you are enabling people to work remotely and also help people that are not just entrepreneurs, but other types of business leaders and managers. So let's start a little bit with your journey. And you left a marketing agency after about five years to become an entrepreneur. And I thought that was so interesting, because that's a very courageous thing to do. So a couple things, what allowed you to have the courage to take that risk? And then number two, what are a couple things that really jumped out to you that you learned in in a very significant career change? Yeah. Well, I don't, I can't say for sure that I had the courage. Well, I guess courage is defined as doing things in spite of feeling fear. So I guess I did have courage (laughs) in the sense that I did not feel equipped or ready to actually launch out on my own. But yeah, I, I noticed another virtual assistant company out there on social media when I was feeling kind of unhappy in the role that I had. And so I had recently had, had some bad luck with the job searches and. I I just had this moment of, you know what, I'm going to open myself up to the idea of maybe there's something out there I could do on my own. And I had no idea what that would be, or even if I could actually do it. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I, you know, had that conversation with myself, 
right. uh, the door open, you know, how it goes. Sometimes when you start looking, it's already there. So I feel like I had the courage to take the leap. One, because I did have a good mentor in my life that was, mm. I felt like I could, you know, lean on. Yeah. I didn't feel like I was launching out on my own, but I definitely battled a lot of imposter syndrome, as they say, and oh, yeah. was not sure if, if I was really cut out for this. But I thought, you know what? I think I can take the sleep and let's just see what happens. And if it doesn't work, I can always go back and get a job. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, we always have options, right? <laughs> it's true. But I think what's interesting about that statement, though, is a lot of times we tell ourselves like, oh, my gosh, I got to make this work or else it's the end of the world. And, mm -hmm. and if you look at it and say, no, I can try this out and it's yeah. okay to take that risk. And there yeah. are other options than if it doesn't work, right? Exactly. So I think that's yeah. pretty cool. And another thing just to add, I guess what I feel like gave me a base that made it possible to do this is addressing personal debt early mm -hmm. on. And I had a lot of it. So I'll yeah. say that it took a long time to really clear that out. And that was something I was already doing in my, you know, my nine to five job. I was working on debt. And I think that this, this helped because then I wasn't quite as afraid of what happens if I'm not making enough money. Yeah. Um, because, you know, that's the fear we all have when we want to jump out into this. Can we actually survive on this? Yeah. So that's, that's one of the, I guess, the bits of advice I like to give people that are thinking about going out on their own yeah. is reduce your debt as much as possible because you can take a lot more risks that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And also knowing that debt isn't the end of the world. Right. A few years ago, when I started launching into my business full time as an entrepreneur, I took on debt, $30,000 mm -hmm. of debt in personal development. My coaching certification oh, sure. kind of went into it on purpose saying, hey, if I'm going to upscale myself, I need to take that on. And then worked very diligently, as you said, to try to eliminate that so I could take a few more risks. I think we get into that mindset of scarcity around money and and freaking ourselves out. Mm -hmm. about it in a way that doesn't help us, right? Yes, that's so. exactly right. Well, and just remembering that there are other ways we can earn income if we have to. It might be humbling. Uh, yes. Because you know, <laughs> I did, uh, you know, the ride share. I was driving driving around, you know, yeah. driving people around Austin and cleaning up. Office. I was an office manager for a little software company for a little bit. And so I just, I did what I had to do while I was getting things off the ground. So um, and here we are. <laughs> I love that. Well, and it shows your commitment, like I'm going to get this done. And I think that really aligns to some of the things that you've also talked about with your values and your your values about how you want to operate in life and how you're trying to operate in business as well. Yeah. Um, exactly. All right. So what I heard is you were courageous, even though you didn't feel ready. You took the risk, even though you felt like an imposter. And you took a financial risk, even when you had debt. Yes. Look at you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> The way, the way of the entrepreneur, right? <laughs> I know, I know. Okay, all of that is fantastic, right? You're like, I'm doing this thing. and yes. But what I love is the message that you told yourself is, you know, I can try and, and if it doesn't work, I can do something else, right? There's a lot of lessons learned there, which I think definitely, is fantastic. Definitely, definitely. I mentioned to you and you've already shared, I can tell so far, and this is one thing that we really aligned on is your values. And you mentioned to me too that your um, organization is based on values. It's based on purpose, transparency, and partnership. And I think that's so wonderful. It really resonated with me. And why is it so important to you? And then how do you think that differentiates 
Trustee Oak as an organization? Yeah. Well, I'll start with the purpose part of it because I think that's sort of at the heart. And like you you said, it's definitely why we align because when mm-hmm. I saw the message that you had, our tagline or I guess our company purpose that we identified is that purpose fulfilled people change the world. Mm. And that's something that I I believe, you know, deep down in in my soul that when we find purpose, everything else comes into play even when things yeah. are hard. Even when we're not feeling happy, if yeah. we have purpose, we still have something kind of pulling us to the next phase of life or, you know, whatever is ahead of us. So for me, finding purpose for myself, I'm getting a little emotional to see what it's all about, you know? And when I realized how powerful it was for myself, I couldn't help but want to create those opportunities for other people. And work is such a big part of our lives. I I can't remember what percentage it is that we spend working. It's a high percentage we all know. And so if we have to go to a job where we don't feel purpose, it doesn't leave a lot of time in our lives to actually fulfill purpose for ourselves. And so it needs to be evident in in the work that we do. And so for me, that was sort of the foundation. Um, And then in terms of the other values and transparency and all of those things, for me, it comes down to trust. And that's why Mm -hmm. we named the, you know, named the company Trusty Oak. I needed that, that word in the title. Uh, And honestly, I was inspired by a book called The Speed of Trust by Stephen M.R. Covey. Yeah, it's a great book. I've read it a couple of times. Um, It's a longer read. You've got it. (laughs) I've got it right in my bookcase. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So that that book was kind of what spurred me to to make a change as well as really deciding how do I want to build this company. And so because high trust relationships give us a lot more grace to make mistakes, to maybe word things wrong. And people still understand what we mean when there's trust in relationship. But if you don't have trust and you say something you could plan exactly how you want to relay information to someone, but if the trust is low, it, there's still a chance it could be misinterpreted. And that's something I learned from the book. And yeah. that alone is enough for me to say, okay, trust is very important. And especially in this type of relationship with virtual assistants and entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. we as entrepreneurs want to do everything ourselves. We are very afraid of somebody coming in and messing up what we've built or yes. our baby. <laughs> so so delegating is difficult, but Building relationships with entrepreneurs and VAs that have high trust, I think is what makes us successful. And in terms of the the differentiator, it is the key thing that trust is what is at the heart of it all. So yeah, I think that's, you know, that all of our values come out of that relationship and that lens of how can we increase trust in the relationship and make sure that we're all effective because when, like the book says, when trust is high, speed goes up. So we're all more efficient. We can get more done. We can see results faster if we're in trusting relationships with those we're working with. So for sure. Yeah. You know, that book is probably like 150 years old, Amber. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I, it's, it's going to last a lifetime for me, for sure. I love it. (laughs) I do too. And Covey, some of his key concepts, to me, I mean, he did write those books many decades ago. The ones mm-hmm. I have on my bookshelf, they're pretty ratty, but the seven <laughs> habits and the speed of trust and all those things, but it remains so significant today and so true today. And I think sometimes even more relevant today because the speed of trust is a great example that we're operating at warp speed compared to when he wrote this. You know, how many decades ago. So then kind of take those components and say, not only, Stephen, did you have some great ideas, but how relevant are they in today's business world? 
And as you said, when we are working remote, that trust factor has to be high. And I get a chance to work with so many leaders. I know you get to work with a lot more entrepreneurs than I do. I work with leaders every day and delegation and letting go of power and control is Mm -hmm. a huge issue Um, because people think, if I don't do it myself, it's not going to be done right. So that mindset holds us hostage to learning and growth. And as you said, I think sometimes to people's truer purpose. Absolutely. If, if I'm doing everything myself, then I'm not operating at a level in which I'm feeling probably the amount of joy or purpose that I could. Right. I see it also just as a way to manage our energy. Yeah, we all get tired at the end of the day, regardless. And so we've got to do something if we want to make a greater impact, we need help to do that. um, Because there's only so much each of us can do every day. I focus on self care and really taking care of me as a person, first and foremost, just because I know I can be more effective if I'm healthy and sharp and and on top of things. And so for me, viewing delegation as sort of that ticket to a better focus and Mm -hmm. generally just to be more effective in how I show up, it makes it easier to tackle it if if I can view it in that lens. Because I'm like a lot of other people too. I like to control what's happening in my day and my business, all of those things. But um, that's why the trust part is so important. If I have people I can trust to delegate to, then I know, hey, that thing over there is something that is getting done to my expectations. I can focus on something else. And we have a ripple effect of growth from there. So it's very exciting. Find yourself in relationships with people at work that you really can trust because then you can get really excited about growing. Yeah, 100%. And you let go of all of those strings of fear and control and quality and results. And then just know that, as you said, you can operate at that higher level. And that is a way of self-care. It is a way of purpose. It is a way of energy. Yes. As you have grown your business in, uh, in these past years, when you think about you currently have at this time of recording uh, 66 VAs, and they're mm-hmm. focused on partnering and collaborating with managers across 25 states. So your imprint has grown very large in a short period of time. So when you talk about trust and encouraging people to let go, how do those VAs encourage that? How do they encourage those that they partner with to let go of control? Mm-hmm. And, and how do you help people to do that? Because that's got to, and again, you're remote. Everyone in your company is remote. So how do you teach that? How do you make that a constant practice? Yeah. Well, it is an ongoing practice. I think, yeah. you know, in terms of professional development as leaders, delegating is not something that usually comes to mind. We think about, oh, I need to learn how to sell. I need to learn about marketing. But you don't think about delegation being a skill you have to learn. So I do think that it's something that there's not really like one trick to help you get better at it. But as far as what our VAs are doing to make that a little bit easier, it's a very simple thing of holding a weekly meeting with Mm -hmm. the, you know, with the person they're serving. For me, whenever I meet with my assistant once a week, that's the time when I'm held accountable to sit down and say, okay, what do I need to get off my plate? So I'm looking at my calendar. I'm looking at my to-do list. Um, She's looking at it with me. We're deciding what pieces of, you know, maybe there's like a a speaking event that I'm preparing Mm -hmm. for. That is something I have to do, but there's pieces of preparing for a speaking event that I could delegate. So, you know, I've got my PowerPoint to get ready, or maybe I need to do research of some sort. I can delegate those pieces 
And then she can help me bring that together where then I have, I just do the part that really is uh, specific to me and, you know, me showing up. So that weekly meeting holds me accountable to actually look at everything and break it apart and decide what can I actually delegate from this. And that's what we teach our our VAs and our clients, you know, as a minimum, at least hold a 15 minute weekly touch point. And and again, back to trust, you know, you'll hear me talk about it a lot. It helps if you're meeting regularly with the person you're delegating to, because trust is going to increase if you get FaceTime with that person, even if it's Zoom FaceTime. (laughs) Yeah, well, of course. So this week I did a class on accountability and Mm -hmm. part of that is talking about delegation. What is almost ironic about what you just said is the, and I was working with all managers about what does accountability mean? And delegation is a part of that. If you want people Mm -hmm. to own things, you have to delegate effectively, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, all those things because you model it. With that said, what they tend to want is their people to have accountability and then, and that's where the squishiness comes in is about how do I hold them accountable? How do I know they're doing a good job? What you just said is completely re- the reverse of it. How do I hold myself accountable to delegate the right things in the right way to make me successful and them successful? And that's yeah, what that's I just heard you said. Yeah, that's interesting. And I didn't even think about it. But yeah, I guess, I mean, there, you want both sides to be accountable. Um, and, and I think that that touch point can do that. But yeah, I, I think of it from my perspective. Yeah, I'm the one that is holding the keys for what I need to delegate. So if I don't let it go, they can't help me. <laughs> yeah, I know. But so ironic that I wouldn't have thought of it that way. And I my husband joined our business in the beginning of the year. And we did have a lot of discussion about where kind of, as you said, where do you add the value in your organization as the founder and owner of the company? Where can you use your skills and talents and value and purpose uniquely? And then what can someone else do that is their unique value and purpose and all those good things? Yes. Um, But I guess I never thought about myself as being accountable in that delegation process with each week what would that even look like? What should he be doing? What could he be doing? How does he partner with me? The way it works now isn't a, a disciplined process as you're describing, okay. it, which would be beneficial. And of course, I already talked to you a little bit about I could use more help, what that would look like, but I, I would almost need to be trained. <laughs> you got to train yeah, me, well, Amber. <laughs> and, and that's the, yeah, I, we can. But yeah. Yeah, the, the thing is, <laughs> I, I, I like to say that process can really be, you can use process as the bad guy. If you're feeling like maybe, yeah. you know, handing off something, maybe it's like, oh, well, is this really the best thing for that person or this person? If you develop a process and things are a little more rigid, then everyone just shows up and knows, you know, it's, there's expectations yeah. already established. And, and again, that's, part of the transparent communication and the partnership of things is if everyone knows what to expect and you can move forward efficiently. Yeah, I love it. I love it because it is about, and again, it goes back to what you said earlier. It is about your own purpose. It's about how do you create value in your role, regardless of what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the process makes it a discipline, provides some structure. And as you said, it makes it transparent. This is just what we expect, you know, how how that's going to operate. I, that is so fantastic. Your company works 100% remotely. And I just, again, I think there's so many people since the pandemic that have been forced to operate in this way. Some people love it. Some people dislike (laughs) it. And many leaders and managers continue to be stressed about how 
to do it. So from your perspective, what are some keys to your success knowing that everybody is remote? Are there any myths or misperceptions that you'd like to clear up based on your experience? Yes, I love this question because the internet is blowing up with, I guess, debates yes. uh, about, you know, is it effective for people to stay remote? There's a lot of people with the thought that you can only have real connection in person. I definitely disagree with all of that that says that we're, I guess, not getting the same benefit by being fully remote. I mean, there's certainly some things missing in terms of being able to go out to dinner or go have a happy hour after work or something like that. Yes, those things are are definitely fun and, and help build the team together, but there are other ways to do it. So to me, the the myth is that it's not one is better than the other. It's that they are different and you have to approach it differently and realize, okay, as a remote team, this means I have to do things a little bit differently and it might be a little bit harder. Honestly, it's not that it's impossible. It's just maybe a little more difficult. And what I mean by that is just because you do have to be intentional about setting up time for that culture building piece of things like, Hmm. you know, that happens sort of naturally in the office. So for us, Um, It's a couple of things. One, there is some getting together in person effort, at least for the corporate team. We don't do that with our virtual assistants just because we really are spread out all over and all the virtual assistants are freelancers. But my internal team, there's nine of us counting myself. We went on a retreat. This, Mm -hmm. This is the second time we went on a retreat where we just took a long weekend We did some planning for the business, but then we did some wine tasting and did some fun things together and it bonded everybody together even more. You really just like realize how much you care about each other. But it's funny because we're so used to working together with agendas. You know, you show up to a Zoom meeting, there's a purpose, you don't really hang out. So one of the other things we do is we hold a weekly hour in our calendar that's optional to show up, but we call it a chin wag. Uh, because we have our, one of our uh, team members is from New Zealand. And oh. so she says she calls it a chin wag. You know, let's have a chin wag. You're just going to chat. It's a chin wag. I have no idea what that means. Yeah. It's essentially just like a chat, a conversation, like okay. hanging out and just, yeah, like catching up. So, yeah, we have the chin wag hour and we show <laughs> up and there's no agenda for that. And sometimes we're solving problems for the business. We may be getting input on something. And then other times it's, complaining about something or talking about the weekend or whatever it may be. So those are kind of just little examples of the effort that you have to make to bring that connection. And that means, okay, I'm paying employees to have a chin wag, but that's okay. You know, it's worth it at the end of the day because it provides that, that connection and a little bit of event opportunity. I mean, we all get stressed at work and so it Mm -hmm. gives you a chance to have that non-work connection with people that get it because you're not, you don't want to go home and talk to your spouse about all the things that went wrong during the day. You might just want to chat with your team. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Weird. That's a weird Amber. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's so profound, isn't it? (laughs) I know, but it's so true, right? But when you, when you create a forum and an environment where people, as you said earlier, that that's the value of transparency and authenticity. And, and if you allow people to show up in that way and talk about life and just be available to support each other in life Mm -hmm. and work is so much a part of that, but outside of that as well. And I think creating a space for that that people get to to do that on a regular basis what mm-hmm. you know what an awesome idea what a great opportunity to establish that trust and connection yeah well Under we have fun tree. with it 
Yeah, yeah, we've got the do. oak tree. Yeah, I know. That, you, you get the metaphor because it's yeah for us it's like dependable reliability, something that yeah. stands the test of time. But it's also kind of fun because we call our what well, we use Slack for work, so that's how oh, we're sure. in office together is is via Slack, and we call it the treehouse. So oh. our, our whole community is just called the treehouse. So when, like when a new virtual assistant joins our team, we say, welcome to the treehouse. And, oh. you know, we kind of make it fun to, we play on the uh, the words a bit. In my new mm. office, I have this little, you know, office in the backyard. And I've been thinking, I was trying to figure out what am I going to name my office? And we came up with Studio Oak. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. That is freaking fantastic. Yeah. We, we keep going with the tree metaphor. We can't get over it. It's okay. I mean, but that makes it fun, right? It, it becomes part of your brand and well, and it also becomes part of your culture. You know, it's those little things and the, the language and the fun and the, you know, the play on the oak tree. Those are all things that create that kind of connection and that kind of culture. So I think those symbols are important. And it because it was so meaningful to you originally, that's why you picked, you know, the sturdy oak is mm-hmm. it, it does connotate that trust, that reliability. So when you hire people, this is a question I didn't prepare you for. <laughs> when you like hire it. people, Amber, whether that is your corporate team or the VAs, what are some qualities that you think are most essential in a mm. great employee? I love that question. Well, first of all, back to values. We actually interview people based on our core values. And the number one core value we have is keep growing. And Mm. so the meaning for that is we're looking for someone that is eager to learn and looking to to grow as a person, grow professionally on an ongoing basis. And, And that's, you know, number one, we need to see that not someone just looking for the J-O-B, as they say, we want them to really be looking for something meaningful to contribute to. So that commitment to learning indefinitely is really a big part of it. And then, you know, the, the, I could go down the list of all the values, but one of, one of them is communicate with transparency. And that's something that sounds pretty straightforward. And you would hope that anyone would do that, but there are so many people that hold things back and they don't Mm -hmm. share everything they're thinking. Well, we don't necessarily want to say everything we're thinking. Transparency doesn't mean you say it all, but in the sense of really just being authentic. And if you have a problem, not, you know, passive, being passive aggressive or, you know, all the different ways that we cope with situations we don't love. It's better to just face things head on. And that's, you know, I think that's something that we're looking for in hires. So we look for values alignment first, and then obviously there's a skill set that's required. So we need to check on that too. But I think something that applies to just, you know, really any role uh, would be making sure they align with your values, because if, if they're, misaligned on that, you're going to have a really hard time seeing the success you want long-term. Yeah, for sure. So how do you get at learning a, a class? Because I could say to you, oh yeah, Amber, I love to learn. I learn all the time. Just took a class last week. Learning. Yep. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Love it. How do you know? <laughs> because I think a, a lot of people probably want that kind of growth mindset and want mm-hmm. people on their team because the opposite of that is you know, people that have been someplace, whether it's a short time or long time that resist change, that are anxious, you know, that aren't resilient enough to figure out what is that new skill set. As you said, you want values and skill set and they go hand in hand when it comes to learning. Because if I just have one skill set and I don't continuously grow that stronger, that has an effect on my performance. Yes. So how do you get that? 
Yeah. I mean, it, it's tricky. There's no way to know 100%. But, yeah, of course. Uh, my recommendation is to get people to tell you stories and mm. um, it really like the, you can take note of this. Tell me about a time when. Yeah. So if you can start questions with, like that in the yeah. interview process. So for example, for the keep growing value, what we do in our, we have a core values interview where it's specifically around that. So the first okay. part is our number one core value is keep growing. What does that mean to you? And we have yeah. them explain it. And then once we, if they get it wrong, we correct them and clarify what it means. Yeah. And then we say, now tell me about a time when you demonstrated that value. And yeah. so sometimes you can, you can get to the heart of, are they really committed to learning based yeah. on how they, how easy is it for, for them to answer that question and tell you a story about how they've learned. And hopefully they're rattling off a lot of different things yeah. that cross over personal and professional of yeah. all the different things that they've done to advance themselves. So it's, yeah, I think it's really just a process of getting people to, to tell you about things that have already happened because usually what's historically happened is going to be indicative of, you know, how they're going to behave in the future too. Sure. That is fantastic. And again, I bet that keeps you as an organization, that value, that message of continued growth and development allows you the flexibility to not only grow your own employees from a purposeful perspective, but to meet the challenges and needs of new leaders or entrepreneurs mm -hmm. that you have coming into the company as well. You know, yes. what are those new needs that may, does someone have a skill set for that or not? How do we learn it? How do we add value to new mm -hmm. things that may arise? Um, yes. Honestly, I think that maybe that's partly why that value has surfaced up because as a virtual assistant, we're doing all kinds of things. We're the catch-all, yeah. right? Yeah. We, no matter what you're doing, you're thinking, okay, what can I delegate? And it's all, it's some random thing. It might be set up my CRM database or, yeah. um, oh, I want to use a calendar scheduling thingamabop. And I don't yeah. know anything about that. So you need someone that's willing to figure it out. And, and everyone has a different tool. Calendar as an example, I could probably think of five different calendar links you could set up. And so- yeah likelihood is that you have never used it before. So you need to be able to learn something you've never done before. So you can't be intimidated. You have to have some confidence, you need to tech savvy in this remote world. Yeah. Um, that's something that's going to be really important. They can't be uncomfortable with just researching and fiddling um, yeah. in some cases. <laughs> yeah. I'll fiddle around for about three weeks until I figure it out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, and we don't want to fiddle around too long, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So what would be some of the most common, if you think about it from a client perspective and, and there's people out listening to this episode and they're thinking, I never thought about using a VA before. I don't know what that would be like. Either I'm an entrepreneur or I'm just a manager that maybe I'm short staff. Maybe I just need to operate at a higher level. Maybe I just, I need additional help, whether that's short term or long term. What would be some of the things that you would say are common that you hear or that ways that you help your clients? So like, as far as like example tasks to delegate? Yeah. 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 What are some of those? Yeah. So I always recommend looking for what's repeating mm. because you're going to get the most relief from something you're delegating that maybe it only takes you 15 minutes a day. 
But if you delegate that, that's 15 minutes a day times five for the week, that's going to get you over an hour's worth of time back. So looking at it from the perspective of how many times, is this something that happens daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it may be, those are the best things to start looking for because you'll get better, more relief from delegating something like that versus this back burner project that you just can't seem to get to. You can definitely delegate those things too, but you might not feel the relief of having support if all you're giving them is something you weren't already doing. So delegate something already on your plate. Excellent insight. Yeah. So it's kind of like, what are the things that you're doing consistently, repeatably, that if you freed your time up, you could use it maybe to tackle that project that you haven't done. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. You can decide where you want to, what you want to do with that extra time. Yeah. And that's, that's the great thing about it. I, I think about this when, uh, you know, with daylight savings time, it's like, yeah. oh, I get another hour back or whatever. It's like, well, what are you going to do with that extra hour? You know, most people sleep, right? right. <laughs> away. I, I used to joke and say, I'm going to save my hour and I'm going to use it on something else. So I'm going right. to say, okay, this is my extra hour. I'm going to do something better than sleep with it. But, I'm going to yeah. do something fun. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and I understand that you have a delegation tool on your website. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So, thanks for uh, mentioning that. So yes, yeah. we have an ebook that includes a delegation matrix and some Ooh. just some guidance around how to start jotting down the things you might delegate. We also have, there's a blog post that I can share with you so you can put yeah. in the show notes or whatever. It's a 15 minute work map. One of our VAs developed this and it's it's an Excel sheet template that you can use to track your time for a couple of weeks. It's a definitely a pain. The process of doing it is yeah. a pain, but the result is now you actually see visually where your time is going and how much of that is actually valuable because sometimes just the act of documenting what you're doing, yes. even running a time, you know, using a time tracker for a week or two, you're you back. can actually see okay, there's a thing here that I keep doing. I did not know I was spending two hours a week yeah. on this. And, and that now all of a sudden, what you need to delegate is shining off the page. So I always recommend just just start being more aware of how much time you're spending on different things. Yeah. And time tracking, it's a pain, but it's the yeah. easiest way to to really see where that's happening and identify your delegated tasks. So the ebook will help you with that and also that that worksheet. Yeah, for sure. That's that's a Stephen Covey thing too. You oh, know? is it? I didn't. Oh, even yeah. That. Time to, well, back to and I think it's in Seven Habits, his Seven Habits book. I do believe, but he has kind of a time matrix, and he talks oh. about you know what do you need to do? That's an urgent priority. What is more proactive that you should be doing that you're not doing? Mm. What he talks about with delegation, kind of similar to yours. It's kind of like what is he calls it urgent, but not important. Not that it's not important, but it's kind of that concept of someone else could be doing it. That's kind of the matrix that the part of the matrix where he said, delegate those things too. And it makes sense. What are you consistently doing? Or when people come to you to do something that's not on your priority, how Mm -hmm. do you do that? It used to be called way in the day, um, the Eisenhower time matrix. Yes. I was about to say that that? because I, yeah, yeah, our delegation matrix is, is essentially an adaptation of that. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it it really is the same concept, just, I guess, viewed uh, from the lens of what is, what can a VA do? Yeah, absolutely. Which is so great because a lot of people don't know. They don't know Mm -hmm. like either. And, and that's a challenge of so many leaders I work with is 
the feeling like I don't have anyone to delegate to. They legit right. think I don't have either my team is small or my team is overwhelmed or or they're they're not capable. Maybe they don't have the good technology skills, whatever mm-hmm. it is, and really pressing on resources and we don't right. have the resources. So um, well, that, and I would just say that the fractional model is really what where that comes into play for, for those people that are saying, okay, I'm overwhelmed. My team is overwhelmed. In fact, we just put, published a blog about quiet quitting. Oh, yeah. there's that whole thing happening and there's burnout and people not wanting to do more than what they were hired to do, rightfully so, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. a virtual assistant can actually be a solution to that in the sense that you can get some things off their plate without it needing to be, oh, I need to hire a part-time admin yeah. or I need to hire a full-time yeah. admin or whatever. You can actually just delegate an hour or two a week. And so that's yeah. why our model, our smallest package is only 10 hours per month. And so many oh, of our wow. clients get huge benefit just from that 10 hours. And then that's that you have that person. So whenever your needs change again, Oh, now actually I need 20 or now I need 40. It's very easy to, to grow into a, you know, a larger support system that way. And to branch out. To branch out. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I love the puns. (laughs) I would imagine as people get more comfortable delegating and build more trust, there is more that can be explored to delegate. Is that true? 100%. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think, yeah, like you said, the more trust that's in the relationship, the more willing you are to hand off even more. You might start with just delegating scheduling appointments or managing your inbox, but then, okay, they're doing that. I've given them feedback. Everything's going really great, but I can also see that they have some great writing skills. I'm seeing how they're responding to my email. I want, let me just ask, could you write a blog post or yeah. do you have experience with social media? Or, I mean, yeah. the, the thing is, if you've got someone, just start asking them what they're capable of. They're yeah. going to tell you what they're confident and able to do. And they may tell you that. And then it turns out they're not so great at it either. That, that's where feedback comes into oh, the relationship yeah. too. So it's yeah. just great to have someone to turn to and at least fill things out and see if they're going to be able to support you in different ways. Yeah, you bet. It's a great model. So where does your company go from here? You've built a solid base. You're in half the states in the country with your corporate and your VAs. You're close to what, 75 people? Yeah. 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 Because we have eight people. Yeah, exactly. Math (laughs) is hard. There's eight eight employees and then uh, the 66 virtual assistants. And we have a full-time recruiter, so we're oh, we're constantly looking wow. for new virtual assistants to bring onto the team. We don't want to ever do it too fast because we want to sure. make sure they get busy with the clients they want to work with before, before it takes too long. But uh, okay. we have big plans to grow. I want to go as big as I can possibly go. And honestly, eventually what we want to do is is start doing more in the education space too, because mm. there is so much to learn around the, these concepts. And not to say we are the experts necessarily. We want to partner with other experts to teach small business owners the mm. all the things that they need to learn how to do. And then on the other hand, teaching virtual assistants and eventually even training people that have never had experience as an assistant to be able to come in and take advantage of this really great job that they can do from home. Yeah, for sure. So you're saying education both to VAs to help them to have a valuable, purposeful kind of career themselves. Mm -hmm. And then you're looking to help instill education in like business owners for their practices. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yes. 
Where were you five years ago? Oh, I was was starting out and I had no idea what I was doing. Even (laughs) well, I'm still figuring it out too. Yeah, I know. I like that. Well, it wasn't even five years ago. That was still a dream. (laughs) But yeah, we're always dreaming about it. Absolutely, I think that's hugely valuable as people think about their business processes and business practices. And for me. When I kind of first started, I'm still, well, I still to this day have a paper calendar. Like I have to have that calendar that what am I doing? Because my practices aren't probably fully integrated in the way that could be or should be. And I kind of talked to you about that too, with even my social media presence with, which is hit or miss and all the things trying to combine them, how to do that in a thoughtful way. I would think that would be a really cool service, not only for, for business owners, but to continue to grow your organization and and add value in in ways that people really, really need a lot. Yes, exactly. Well, it it helps us if our clients understand how to work well with a virtual assistant. Yeah. I mean, they're going to stick with us longer if they're feeling the benefits and they're finding it to be successful. And the same thing with virtual assistants, you know, we, we're all still learning and that's the whole whole thing is that we can help each other. And you mentioned this in the introduction about how we provide this collaborative opportunity for the virtual assistants. We have, I mentioned the treehouse. Yeah. So we, we have ways for people to say, Hey, I'm having trouble with Outlook. I can't figure out why this isn't set up right for my client. Can anyone yeah. help? And then quickly another VA jumps in and says, Oh, here, have you tried this? Here's a link. I'm happy to help. So yeah. all of us having a support network is important, yeah. whether we're a small business owner, a freelance virtual assistant, sure. um, managers, whoever we are, we all do better when we have a good support system. So that's really yeah. what it's about is just creating a supportive system that's teaching, but also providing that, you know, that handholding and help when we need it to. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's so important about what you just said too, is those are the stressful moments, you know, when we're trying to troubleshoot, when we're trying to problem solve, when we're trying to meet someone's needs and we get a little stuck. And a lot of times that's where the big stress comes in. Like we, I, I want to add value. I don't know what to do. And rather than shutting down or trying to figure it out or ruminating about it or getting stuck mm-hmm. in it immediately to have a support system to lean on, to help And that is the purpose of it too, right? It's not like I'm, you know, I have to feel guilty because I'm asking questions. It's kind of like we all show up and ask questions and that's why we're all here in the Mm -hmm. treehouse is to do that. You're building in collaboration, you're building in support and troubleshooting and a way to eliminate stress. Exactly. Yeah. I I like that you call out, there's not anything to be ashamed of yeah. when, you, when you do need help. In fact, you're doing your client and yourself a better service by asking for help instead of spending six hours troubleshooting yeah. something when there's probably someone right there that could do it in, you know, 10 minutes. So yeah, it's just a smarter move to, to work together. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Well, I know how busy you are, Amber, and uh, just knowing your schedule and knowing. And by the way, when we last talked, I know you said you meet with your VA every week and that you are accountable to delegating tasks. That person followed up with me immediately in terms of all the different follow-ups and the things that we, you and I had talked about. And I was like, man... I want that. <laughs> I want to show up that way because it does. It it creates a, a brand and an image for you when you have someone immediately showing up in that way. 
and just creates this sense of trust. So I just want to let you know how impressed I was with that experience. And it, it just, it does. It, it just highlights what you're trying to build here and the reputation yeah. that you're creating, so, which was yeah, wonderful. I'll, I'll give Jamie, Jamie a shout out. Jamie's yes. my assistant. And yes, she, she's actually on vacation today and yesterday. And I have missed her even in two days because my <laughs> inbox, when I wake up in the morning, normally it's almost inbox zero because oh. she, labels and moves things around and responds to things. And then I just get to focus. And yeah. I feel, I just, I think I'm more productive, even just having a very small thing like that done for me. So yeah, yeah there's a lot of underlying benefits to having your person. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for sharing your story as an entrepreneur, as a leader, as a business owner, and someone who is trying to create not just a company, but based on the kind of values that, again, really resonate with me. And when you talk about learning and authenticity and those core values, I, I just want to say thank you for showing up in that way and, and creating a space for other people to feel that purpose at work. I just think that's so meaningful that you're thank giving you people so that much. opportunity. So. Yeah, thank you. Well, I have had a lot of fun uh, hanging out with you and yeah. um, sharing all this stuff. You're you're asking me questions that I really enjoy answering and talking about these things that are a little bit deeper than just tell me your story. So yeah. thank you for creating the opportunity to do that. I hope this helps some people. Absolutely. So what I will include um, in our show notes is a link to your website. And for people who want that delegation ebook, which I think would be fantastic. Also the blog and that whole quiet quitting, I haven't really dialed into that yet. And I know like it's out there and I need to learn more about it. So trust me, I'm going to be out on your blog. And I know <laughs> there's probably a lot of people interested in your perspective about that. And as you said, it's important to recognize what can we do about it? And you had some great ideas about how do you complement that experience for employees and still get the work done, right? Yes. So I think that's a, a balance. So thank you so much for your time, Amber. I, I so much appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Cindy. Want to help others be a better leader? Please rate and share this podcast. The more listeners we have, the more we can make our mark on the world being deliberate and intentional leaders.